can't get any relationship to make up for the last one. Welcome to the Hell Yes Life podcast, where you'll hear inspiring stories and life lessons from amazing Hell Yes entrepreneurs who are running their for-purpose businesses and living their Hell Yes lives. I'm your host, Norman Bell. Hey there, Hell Yes Lifers. It's Norman Bell, host of the Hell Yes Life podcast. Thanks for joining me for another episode. This is a very special episode with a New York Times bestselling author, Gary John Bishop. And I should say before we go forward, I'm going to have my podcast people work on this to make sure that this one's marked as explicit, but I'll, I'll put the warning out there anyway, because you know Gary's most famous book is called Unfuck Yourself. And we're, we're just going to say the names of his books and drop a few F-bombs here. So just want to, in case your ears are sensitive to that kind of thing, we'll uh, just give you fair warning there. But Gary is the um, best-selling author of Unfuck Yourself and the upcoming Wise as Fuck and a audio original, which we'll be talking a little bit about today called Ask Gary Fucking Anything. So we're going to ask Gary fucking anything today. And Gary, welcome to the podcast. Great. Thanks for that curse-filled introduction. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, But yeah, thanks. It's great being with you. I'm just curious, when you go on different shows, do most people kind of say the full titles of your, your books or do they kind of dance around it and say effing they, everything? Or? Yeah, they sometimes they say effing and bleeping and, you know, whatever makes you comfortable. I'm not out to force myself down your throat, you know. <laughs> well, this is the Hell Yes Life podcast. I figured right. I could just take that extra step. Right. right. Okay, good. Um, well, Gary, t- why don't you just uh, give us a little bit of an overview about who you are. Oh, I, actually, I always like to start off by asking my guests, including yourself, what is your hell yes, or maybe your fuck yes in this case, but like, what is that thing that really lights you up and makes you come alive? Yeah, making a difference for people. Yeah. It's, it's just, you know, it's just, it's my raison d'etre, you know, it's just everything, it's why I'm alive. Yeah. Um, and I love making a difference for people and I love doing the kind of work that I need to do to give people things that inspire them. So yeah. that's my daily life, my weekly life, my monthly life. It's what I'm all about. Yeah. And when was the first time that you, no pressure, I'm guessing maybe you can identify this, but no pressure if you can't, you know, pick that moment on the the playground when you were six years old or something. But Mm. when did you first realize that this was your hell yes? Well, my view is, I think, I think all people, if they have the opportunity to make a difference for somebody else, they'll take it. We don't always feel like we're free to do that. We're so wrapped up in our own stuff and trying to solve our own problems and deal with our lives and deal with our upsets and all that sort of stuff. But it's something that is in general terms for human beings. We, we do love it when somebody selflessly makes a difference for another. We love, it makes the news even when you see somebody doing it. Um, we admire that in society. And so my assertion is somewhere within each of us is that desire to make a difference. So I'm not always free to do it. But it started for me when I started to do the work on myself and I started to notice improvement, I noticed I was becoming more effective and being better at being me, like in, and being more satisfied with my life. I noticed there was that tendency. I wanted to give it away. And that, that probably started, you know, maybe 14, 15 years ago. 
Okay. Yeah. So it started with a personal journey of self-development. I know, I mean, I'm here doing something along those lines, right? I've right. done a lot of work on myself and love connecting with people like yourself who, you know, want to get that message out there to someone who might be a, maybe a little earlier in, the, in their path, but looking for some inspiration. Can you talk a little bit about any point in your life, like right before you started looking into self-development, like, yeah. where, you know, maybe you were at a, a lower place? <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I wasn't, I wouldn't say I was in a space of like being desperate or something, but I was, I was kind of apathetic, you know, like my life didn't, I just wasn't inspired by my life anymore. And I was kind of, kind of a little confused. It was, it was like everything, everything about myself just didn't tick the boxes that I wanted it till I ended up as somebody that I never thought I would end up as, um, you know, and that's the same for a lot of us. When you start off in this life, when you're five, six, seven, eight years of age, you're not planning on, you know, being resigned by the time you're 40, you know, and that was my experience. I was fundamentally just resigned, you know, there mm -hmm. was like no possibility, no. And so I'd spent a number of years solving circumstantial problems, which is what we all do. You yeah. know, I'm solving the problem of more money. I'm solving the problem of my, my, my stomach. I'm solving the problem of my relationship with my sister or my parents or my, or my workmates or my business. And then I realized but I wasn't changing. And that was really, that was that point where I said, I need to, I need to do some work on me. And I, and I didn't want to go down. I mean, I, it's, this isn't like, I'm not being disparaging, but I didn't want to go down a psychological route. I wanted to ch choose another pathway. I wanted yeah. to go down a pathway of empowerment and education, growth. Like, a, and so that, that kind of set me on my way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, I want to kind of get to the time and place that we're in right now. And for anybody who's listening to this in the uh, distant future, it's, um, you know, the end of July, 2020. And if, you know, you're living on planet earth, you probably know what that means that we're in the midst of our COVID pandemic. And, and so, yeah, I kind of want to touch on this, you know, cause you talked about being resigned and kind of changing the circumstances of your life as opposed to doing the work on yourself. And then also I was reviewing some of the questions that were asked uh, in your audio book around motivation versus making change around grief and so forth. And I'd, I'd really like to kind of maybe touch on some of these things, but in relation to the present moment that we're yeah. all, all living in and, you know, it can kind of open up anywhere you'd like to, <clears throat> but I wonder about this kind of like, gosh, I'm struggling a lot. I'm a, I'm kind of a personal development, you know, my name, the, the name of the podcast, the hell yes life podcast. Yeah. I haven't been feeling too hell yesy the past few months. I'll tell yeah. you that. Yeah. And I've been feeling a little resigned and a little bit like trying to change my circumstances. So what, what would you say to us out here who, who are struggling <clears throat> a bit right now? Yeah. So I'll, I'll kind of give it to you in a larger context, sure. like what it is to be a human being. So we're most inspired when we're up to something, right? Mm -hmm. And we're most inspired when we're up to something that's a little bigger than us. So whenever you're up to something that's a little bigger than yourself, it's sometimes intimidating, but it's also kind of like, you know, uh, inspiring. You know, you're kind of like, oh yeah, and I'm going to do this. Or I'm like, I'm going to write a book or I'm going to learn how to, play the trombone or, you know, whatever the thing might be. It's a little yeah. bigger than your kind of petty everyday complaints and concerns. Yeah. But at this time, during this time of COVID and the pandemic, there's this kind of like background noise, right? Mm -hmm. And the background noise, a big part of that is at some level, each of us as human beings believe that the way that it is right now shouldn't be this way. Mm -hmm. Like it's supposed to be different. Yeah. Right. 
So that's the first struggle you get up to every day. You wake up in the morning, it's like, it's not supposed to be like this. And so we keep looking for when it's going to go back, right? So we're kind of looking ahead, like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this and I'm doing that. But I'm looking at my watch, like, are we there yet? Have we arrived yet? (laughs) Yeah. And so what we don't notice, though, is that over time, that's becoming a bigger and bigger burden. And then so every time you see the news and you see it expanding or it's getting worse, you get a little more despondent because in the back of your mind, this was supposed to be ending. Yeah. Right. So it is very challenging to kind of keep the sense of your typical self going, right? You're typically, maybe you're upbeat or maybe you're a fairly positive person. It's very easy to get soured, you know? Yeah. So the first thing I want people to get is it's okay. You're supposed to be this way, right? Mm -hmm. This isn't, there's nothing wrong with you, right? You're supposed to be a little down right now. Mm -hmm. So, right. You know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. a lot of us are a little down right now. It's okay, right? It's mm-hmm. part of the deal of being a human being. And, and it's a big deal for somebody to embrace that they're okay just the way they are. Like I, you might not be your, your A plus self, right? You might even be your W self, right? You might be pretty <laughs> far than the alphabet right now. Yeah. And I get it. And sometimes we get there, you know, but I want you to know it's okay. It's not permanent. Okay. And it's, and it's, given who you are and given the life you've lived and given what you're dealing with right now, it's okay. Right. So you got to, got to kind of get all that on one hand, right? It's okay. I'm supposed to be this way. Right. On the other hand, I say to people, don't waste your time trying to get motivated. Right. Don't. Mm -hmm. Right. What you want to do is grant yourself a little bit of grace, a little bit of space there just to kind of be yourself. But at the same time, add a few challenges, right? What's a couple of things I said I would get done. And even if it's something simple, like, I swear to God, I'm going to fold that laundry. Even if something like that, then go fold the laundry. Like make today your day, right? And don't try to get motivated to do it. Just stand up, walk over there, pick up an item of clothing, fold a few pieces, right? Or if it's like, you know, if you're writing a book or something, I said I would add a few pages. Go ahead, add a few pages. What I encourage people to do is to take things on when they actually are at their lowest. When you are done there, and you'll notice you can actually be effective, but you don't feel like you're, you want to be effective, but you can be effective. And once you start to break down that, it's like a little bit of a trap in our brains that we have to feel good about something before we do it. Yeah. Once you start to break that down, you'll notice you're rising with it. With all these new actions you're taking, even just the little ones, you're rising with them, right? I mean, there's... There's nothing quite like that feeling after you've cleaned your car inside and out. Yeah. Right? Like that feel that you feel better. Like, oh, yeah, this is good because you got something done. Mm-hmm. So it's important to add those little pieces to your day as you make your way through the day right now. And then, you know, get up to something. Pick one or two things that are kind of inspiring and call you out a little bit. Pick some yeah. of those things too. Yeah, I have. I mean, despite what I said before, I have been up to, I'm writing a short book and I've gotten much further along in it than I ever have before. Uh, Mm -hmm. I've written a good solid first draft of it and kind of in the process of looking for book cover designers and so forth. And that's something I've wanted to do for a long time. And I sort of feel like this time period, maybe there's quite a few people that are up to this kind of a thing, like, oh, a a project that I've been meaning to do, but haven't had the time or space to. And now here I am sitting at home and a lot of my regular stuff is off the table. So obviously there's, you know, people have, are at different levels. Maybe the project for the day is folding the laundry. It can uh, be. But um, for people who are feeling up 
up to it, would you say it's kind of sinking your teeth into some kind of slightly larger project like this? Absolutely. The other thing I would say, though, if you're creating something like writing a book, you should realize that at some point along the way, you'll try and talk yourself out of it. And so part of that process is the doubt of being judged, right? Yeah. Like, I don't want to be judged, right? I mean, everybody wants to write a book. And then if you actually do write it, you're like, oh, it's not ready. There's a bit more work to be done. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> it goes on forever. I say to people, go for it. Just get the book out and get to work on the next one. Yeah. Um, right, just keep knocking it out. So you should also realize, though, that anytime you indulge in something or engage in something, it's a little bigger, right? As you get into that process, starting a business, writing a book, changing career, at some point, there'll be a noise in your head about why you shouldn't do it, right? It'll happen. And it'll seem very real. It'll be, it will be circumstantial. Oh, I'm busy with this. I've got that to do, and I can't quite fit it in. You should realize that's part of being a human being, too. That's, that's you getting ready to play the familiar game instead of the risky one. Yeah. But uh, you should always go for the risky one because, you know, you can get over the failure of that thing. You'll never get over not putting yourself out there for it. Yeah. I don't know. Are you familiar with um, Stephen Pressfield's uh, War, The War of Art? I'm not, but, I, but I'm familiar with Stephen Pressfield, but not, not that particular work. Yeah, that, it's a, sh a, a short book, actually, and it's all about that, about this sort of, I mean, it's, he calls it resistance with a capital R, and he, he yeah. portrays it as, it's bigger than procrastination. It's sort of like, he portrays it as this, this villain. I mean, it's brilliant the way that he talks about it. It's just sort of like, you know, it's this villain that's trying to stop you from... Yeah. You know, something inside ourselves that's yeah it's not passive by the way i should add it's an activity yeah right yeah. it's not a pass it's like you're actively believe it or not you're actually at work undermining yourself <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah there's a part of you that's just really like no don't do doesn't that want thing that you really that. want to do yeah doesn't want any part of it. it's too not risky safe. it's too unknown yeah. you know yeah exactly exactly well, okay, so that's some great suggestions already. What about some of these other topics that you found yourself sort of touching on in your upcoming, your new audio book? Yeah. Finding a romantic partner, you know, success as a single parent, crappy relationships, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, you could talk about those in general, what, you know, uh, your responses to people, but then I'd love a COVID edition of some of these. Yeah, things. for sure. I think I'll, I'll be able to speak to both things pretty, yeah. pretty well here. Part of the, I mean, you know, I've coached a lot of people over the years, particularly in this relationship thing, and particularly people who, are, who want a loving relationship but just can't seem to find one. And I always ask people the same question to begin with. Um, I, I, and I ask them, they say, oh, well, you know, I keep trying to get in relationships. It never works for me. And, you know, like I know what I want and da, 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 da. And then I say, but for somebody who's got a track record like yours in relationships, what makes you think you know what you're doing? Like, <laughs> <laughs> what makes you think that you've got the secret recipe? And, I, and, and, I, and, and this is a kind of startling thing for some people, I guess. But when you say to them, if you've ever noticed every relationship you've ever been in that hasn't worked, there's been one common denominator in that thing. Yeah. Right. It's, <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. It's, uh, we even we change the other personnel and it still turns out the same. Mm -hmm. So why do I kind of paint that for people? Because I want people to realize you got to give up everything you know about relationships. You got to let go with that, right? Because try on the idea that I, that actually hasn't been a good template for you. And so often that's the case. People are looking for new relationships and it's like a checklist. I need somebody mm -hmm. who does this and I want this and I want that. And then when the check, somebody kind of butts up against the checklist, it's like, well, you're done next, right? Or 
people going into relationships, trying to fill somebody else's checklist, trying to be somebody that they're in fact not. So I, I say to people, look, there's, there's, you, there's no like, notion of like there being the one out there for you. There's 8 billion people in the face of the planet. There's a good chance there's a couple of million for you, right? Like it's not one. There's like, there could be 100,000 in your state alone, right? Um, or your city alone. So really kind of get, getting yourself in a relationship, you're really looking for the kind of environment. You're looking for an environment. What kind of environment? Environment where I'm free to be myself and, and an environment where I can let somebody else be themselves. And there's nothing for me to want to change about you and you don't want to change anything about me. We actually just like being around each other. I would say if you kind of go for those most basic fundamentals with one little caveat, if you haven't done, it, done any work on your past, on your childhood, your relationship, your parents, if you've never done any of that work and you're still struggling to find a relationship that works for you, you got to go back and do that work because you're just going to repeat old patterns and incompletions. So you got to go back and do that work. There's lots of courses, lots of great um, coaches and, and leaders in that field who'd be really awesome at supporting you with that. But you got to do some past work. You can't just pretend best foot forward and then uh, the last thing that, I, that is my whole thing about this, I guess, is um, you can't get any relationship to make up for the last one. So don't mm -hmm. date somebody who wasn't the last person, right? Mm -hmm. And in this mm -hmm. time, in this time of COVID, you have to realize, you know, it's the game has changed. It's to, it's to stop trying to make the game the way it was. It's not that game now. Different game. You're going to have to play a new game. And in this new game... You're, you might not be able to meet somebody face-to-face -face for quite some time. Yeah. So you're going to have to work that out for yourself. And how would you do it? And how would you meet people? And how would you connect with people? I sometimes, you know, I wonder how my marriage would have turned out if I'd married someone who had the same interests as me. I'm, I'm really glad my wife doesn't have the same interests as me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, it makes, you know, I mean, I'm interested in little British sports cars and guitars and stuff. It'd be kind of boring if that's all we ever talked about. So <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that we're not this, have the same interests. Yeah, yeah. You're kind of complimentary. Yeah. Yeah, I can't even, I don't know that you can speak to this, but I don't know. And I'm married and I have a 10-year-old daughter. Uh, so I've been out of the game for a while here. And I'm grateful for that because it was <clears> painful. <throat> and I probably would have been one of the people that could have used your help. But I don't even know what people are up to these days that are sort yeah. of in the dating scene and what that might even look like. Yeah, so. there's a lot of social media interaction. Oh, there yeah. are obviously, you know, dating websites and stuff where people connect. And, and you can get really jaded about that. Part of getting jaded, by the way, about that stuff is, again, that expectation that you're going to find the one mm -hmm. rather than just, I'm just going to go meet some people, yeah. you know, connect with some people, find out what's going on in their world. You should also realize, though, you're going to meet some jerks on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's part of the deal. It'd be absurd for you to think that's not going to happen. It's like when you drive your car, there's a chance you might see an accident or two. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. It's part of the deal. You right. can't be like, oh, my God, the horrors, right? I mean, it, I know it's not great, but it's part of the deal. So meeting people, yeah, you're going to meet mostly the wrong kind of people. Yeah. That's what it smells like when you're out to date people. Well put. It, that's what it smells like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, without going into the whole story, I, I would say that I fit what you're describing there. I had a terrible template 
you know, for most of my dating life, which basically was if it didn't work out, I would just go hide in my room and then yeah. wait for somebody to come <laughs> knock on the door. Yeah. I noticed that wasn't working after a while. And I tried to develop this kind of curiosity about the dating process and just go like, yeah. okay, I'm going to try this and I'm going to treat it like an experiment. Right. And see, see what happens. And then, you know, oh, this would fail. And then, oh, I would date this person. Oh, what did well about this? And then, you know, and so forth. And then it, that during that period, I ended up reconnecting with the woman who would become my wife. So uh, see, what I like about that is though, like you, you kind of got outside to yourself. Yeah. You yes. went for like some new thinking. Let me now yeah. another cool thing about that is like your initial thing was really, well, I'm just going to get to know some people. It wasn't like, well, let me come up with this new strategy. And I'll meet the woman in my dreams within right. three weeks. You can't keep putting yourself under that kind of pressure, right? Yeah, yeah. It'll happen, right? It's, I mean, without being too cynical about it, dating is a numbers game. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it was funny. I was living in Barcelona, Spain at the time, and I was, you know, dating some people there. And then it was around Christmas time, I came home to Seattle and met up with some old friends. And one of them was this woman, Zoe. And it turned out, oh, the, the person that I really ended up connecting with was back here in Seattle. So instead of in Spain. Wonderful. So you never know where they're going to be. That's right. Um, so I, I, one or two other topics before we let you go, Gary. I know you've got a busy day here, but I kind of want to, not to be a, a downer, but I wanted to kind of talk about this. You, you talk about grief as yeah. one of the things that came up yeah. for your audiobook. And again, I feel like maybe this might be useful. I th you already touched on it. I think this is an important thing to for people um, who are going through this pandemic experience to hear, especially yeah. from someone like you, that it's okay to feel the way you're feeling right now. And I heard yeah. you say that around the grief thing. It's, you don't need to be, you don't need to try to move past it. I feel like in this personal development space, there can be this sort of like, hey, shouldn't I be getting over this and just yeah. getting on with things and yeah. writing my book? You know, this. Well, well, grief is a weird thing. I mean, it, grief comes at us in lots of different ways, right? So you can, it can be somebody dying, it could be a pet dying, right? It could be somebody just, you know, getting sick. But it, you, can, you experience grief when you, like if your business collapses, you'll experience grief. It doesn't feel like grief, but it's grief. Yeah. So grief comes at us in lots of different ways. And fundamentally what grief is about is the end of a future. Mm -hmm. So it was a future that you had in mind that is no longer there. Yeah. But then there's this kind of hole and human beings hate that. They hate the uncertainty of the future. They do. They want it, but they hate it. Yeah. And especially if they feel as if it was taken from them, like mm -hmm. they had no say in it, it was just taken, right? So yeah. when somebody dies, it's often that experience. And I say to people, you know, look, it's appropriate for you to grieve another human being, right? And it points to your big heart and it points to your love and your compassion, right? So you should grieve that other person and you should do it in a way that works for you. Don't suppress it, just let it arise. Now, grief though kind of lingers in one of two ways. So it'll either nurture you or it'll torture you. And luckily you have a say in which one you end up with, mm -hmm. right? But until now, I don't think anybody's really showed somebody how to deal with it. It'll torture you if you keep lamenting what should have been yeah. and what shouldn't have been. That will torture you. That'll be an open wound for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Another thing that I say to people that surprises them at the beginning as I say, you got to stop saying, I miss this person. You got to stop saying that. Why? Because you keep putting yourself in a place of loss. This grief is never going to settle with you in a place that nurtures you. It's always going to be something you're grinding up against. 
So one of the things I like to say to people is I invite you to kind of let your grief come up and sit in it and be in the presence of that person. And you'll notice that there's no loss, that you actually can experience that person fully. Mm-hmm. You can experience your connection, your love for them. You can actually be in their presence. And I also encourage people to talk about that person occasionally, you know, to kind of revitalize that connection for yourself because they live on for you and your thoughts and in your conversations and your emotional state. Mm. So that's kind of how I've nurtured myself with the passing of both my parents has been like, I allow myself to be with them. I don't run away from it. But I would add this little piece that I never allow my grief to excuse me from participating in life. Mm-hmm. I won't allow that. I don't allow myself that. I allow myself all the grief that I want. So, you know, occasionally on any given week or month, I'll reminisce about my father and I'll, and I'll shed a tear or seven. And it's great. I just love being in his presence. You know, I hear his laugh, you know, and I hear and his, his stupid jokes. <laughs> and, um, you know, and they were, they were, they were stupid. <laughs> Or my mom's fire, you know, like her like whole like approach on life was just grab it, you know. So I, I love being in their presence. And like I said, I no longer, I'm unwilling to use the language of missing because they're so very much alive for me and with me every day of my life. And that's important for people to start to kind of embrace that sort of approach. I love that. Actually, we were talking a little bit before we started uh, taping here. Um, my uh, father is from from. So we're both your parents from Glasgow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My dad was from from Glasgow or uh, Gifnuck near Glasgow, and he passed away a few years ago. My mom also passed away, and so. But I think that maybe there's there's something for me to take away from this conversation is you know I I don't think I had looked at it in that way of like oh they can be here. Uh, fully, you know, and, yeah. and I can really appreciate them, you know, them living on. Uh, yeah, me. they do. So. They, I mean, I've got three sons. I talk about my dad. He has who he is, lives for them. Like he's alive for them, you know, um, and two of my sons never met my dad. Yeah. But, um, but he's alive for them. They've seen the pictures. They hear me talk like he's a part of their, the fabric of their reality. Mm, and mm. I continue to weave that fabric and, and have him be as alive as one could be. It's an amazing process when you open yourself to it. I love that. I love that. Well, maybe as we wind down, Gary, I want to be mindful of your time. I, on the same theme, though, because a lot of what you were saying there, I feel it really applies to this time that we're in. If you can take all of us, I mean, everybody on the planet back to, you know, the end of February or wherever it was, you know, when, when this hit your country or your, your area. Yeah. That I can, I can remember the plans <clears throat> I had at the beginning of this year, all dropping off the face of, <laughs> of the planet right. on March 15th or so. You know, I think we can hear the application here, but can you kind of... Yeah, yeah. There's something really important, I think, that you're pointing to there. You got to acknowledge the end of that because, or you'll just lament that it ended. You got to acknowledge it, okay? So like, whatever I had in mind, that ain't happening, (laughs) right? It's just not happening, right? And so for me at the time, I had all these speaking engagements all over the country that would have made me lots and lots and lots and lots of money. Yeah. And they're not happening. Okay. Now, you know, for a week or two, you'll get your knickers in a twist about that, right? Okay, fine. But then I take responsibility. I say, okay, this is the game. This is the game that I signed up for. And even though this pandemic came out of nowhere for me, 
you can't exclude it like, well, that's never happened before in the history of mankind because it has. Yeah. So I acknowledge it. I take responsibility for it. And I take responsibility, by the way, for all of my negative emotions around it, all my mm-hmm. cynicism, all of my resignation, all of my resentment, all of my da-da-da, right? I say, I, I own all of that. And then I turn my attention to, well, what's here? What's in front of me right now? What is, because the world, by the way, believe it or not, is constantly presenting you with things yep. that you won't see if you keep looking for what was before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You'll only ever see evidence of what was before. You'll miss it. It'll fly past you. So I really took on, well, what is here, right? So this, I thought, well, this is a great time for me to, you know, start working on some new material for, for some new other books that I want to do after I'm finished with the next couple. This is a great time for me to start working on like some of my speaking engagement stuff so that I can come up with some new stuff for people when I go out there and start talking to them again. I, you know, I just started to kind of grab the opportunities and I've done a bunch of like virtual events, mm-hmm. you know, and where I'm speaking to thousands and thousands of people all over the world. And so I'm, I'm fully immersed in this world, the one that I'm getting presented with. It's not the same world. It's very different. I'm at home all the time, right? Yeah. Which I got three growing boys. It's not somewhere you want to be. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, but really, like, it's this kind of just like being responsible for the aftermath of the world that was so that I can bring myself fully to the world that is. And, you know, there will be a time when either all or most of this thing is passed, and you'll have to be ready for that world. Right. And then this world to land. And you'll have to let go of whatever little tidbits of this that you enjoyed. Right. <laughs> so it's oh, always darn. about yeah. setting aside what you think should be and yeah. could be and being present for what's here. Yeah, yeah. I hear a lot of this sort of, you know, the theme of this resistance of, you know, resisting what's happening and wanting it to be different from what it is and, and kind of embracing what's in front of you. But I think, you know, hell yes lifers out there listening. You know, if you haven't, and you know, may I have a little more work to do on this as well, as Gary is saying, acknowledge the end, right? You know, maybe if you haven't done it yet, maybe I still need to do a little of this too. Go back to late February, early March and go, oh, wait, I still have, I'm still kind of hanging on to that a little bit. And right. take a little bit of time to just go, okay, I let, I let go of that. I grieve that, right? Right. The loss of that. And then I'll be able to take responsibility and turn to what's going on now. Right. So that sounds great. I, one, one thing I wanted to add to that that's been working for me lately that I've been experimenting with is doing little three and four day media fasts. So I've just been un- unplugging entirely from the news right. and social media. And I can't help but notice that life's a lot simpler and, and better in my backyard. You know, it's like, hey, everything's fine in my backyard. You know, if I, <laughs> if I just take a little break from the pandemic, you know. Well, what I like about what you said, Dan, this is so good what you said. It's so juicy what you said. You're adjusting to what life is now presenting you with. Right. Yeah. Like you're like, well, you know, it might have been okay for me to do all that one time, but just given the condition of things, I need to do what's appropriate for now and appropriate yeah. and responsible for my own well being. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Gary, I, I really um, appreciate you uh, taking a little bit of time today uh, to join me and our um, Hell Yes Life audience. And I forgot to mention this at the beginning, but I always like to wrap things up by saying hell yes together on the count of three. Are you willing to do that? Yes. So it'd be kind of like a hell yes. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. 
Hell yes. Yes. You know, and actually that's usually how we wrap it up. But then I, I didn't give you a chance to uh, let people know where to find you. I'm sure they, yeah. you know, yeah. So where, where would they want to go if they want to check you out? More you, you can go to my website, um, GaryJohnBishop.com. And yep. you can sign up there. I, I give a, a, I send a lot of free stuff to people, like free insights and little stories and anecdotes and stuff to just kind of help give you insight. Um, but you can also catch up with me on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. And then you can get my audiobook and books and all those kind of typical good book and audiobook places. All right. All right. Well, again, Gary, thanks so much for joining us and take care. You too. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Hell Yes Life podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite RSS feed. If you like the show, please leave a rating and review. And if you want to stay connected, visit hellyeslife.com and sign up for the e-newsletter and private Facebook group. Again, I'm Norman Bell. Thanks for joining me. Now let's get out there and live a hell yes life.